I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, it's true. You thinking more like 90s? I, <laughs> um, I remember the first time envy entering my life, the, my, my memory of it. It was, I was in grade school, and some of the rich kids started coming in the school with these shorts. And keep in mind, when I grew up, shorts came to about here. These shorts were about down to here, and they were super loud colors, and they had uh, different, like, floral prints on them. Do you want to you put it up there, Christy? You remember these? Anybody call that out? What are those called? Jams, exactly. The original jams. Um, so people started coming this, and it was the rich kids that were coming in. And I don't know what we wanted, you know, we were seven miles away from, or seven hours away from the ocean in rural West Virginia, but these board shorts from Hawaii seemed to be the thing. That was the first time in my life, I mean, the rest of us would have, like, the knockoff versions, you know, that were the generic versions that didn't have the original jam stamps, and a lot of our moms, like, made us the ones. They'd go to the Hobby Lobby and get the prints, and so I remember looking at those people with that original jams thing on their, uh, on their jams thinking, oh, I wish I was like that. I wish I could afford those kind of things. Um, so that, that was my first memory of envy. Now, later on in life, things got a little bit more serious, um, I think about every other time I preach here, I tell you guys that my goal in life is to love Jesus as much as a human being can possibly love him. And so when that kind of took over my life, I went through a period of life where it seemed like all of my best friends were having these amazing experiences with the Lord all the time. They'd pray for people, they'd be healed. Um, They'd go and pray and they'd have this amazing emotional encounter with the Lord or find out some insight that I'd never heard of. And it was just a, I became kind of a little envy started to creep into my heart and I think um, I'm going to use our stained glass window again. Um, I've named all these if you weren't here for that sermon. But um, I feel like all my friends were Harriet on his heart. That's the sheep that's right here. And I was feeling like they were experiencing this intimacy that I wasn't. And so I kind of had this choice between could I be gazing Gary over here that seems to be enjoying and entering into that and enjoying the intimacy that's happening there and gleaning from it, or I could be wary Wilma back here that kind of backs away. And I, I experienced both of those. Um, and that, those are, that's are always our choice. But what happened with me is I was seeing him bless the people around me in that way. And I had a choice between seeing that as what a gift to me to be around so many people that experience him that way and get as much out of that as I possibly could and rejoice in that. But instead, I let envy sometimes creep in and say, why not me? Why can't I have that relationship with you? Why can't you do the same thing for me? I think God began, I began using the blessings of God to those around me as ammunition to accuse him of being this father that played favorites. And I wasn't one of his favorites, which is the exact opposite. He was loving me in doing that and putting me around these people um, where I was using it as ammunition against him. So envy, what is it? It's that negative emotion that we feel when someone around us has something, be it a possession, a character trait, uh, a life, a spouse, a job, perfect kids, uh, you know, a promotion, good looks, a better body than me, an easygoing manner, um, any of those kind of things that I want myself. And I probably believe that they don't deserve it as much as I do, right? Or sometimes it can even go to the point is if someone has that, it's not even that I want it sometimes, it's just, I just don't want you to have it. That's what envy can do as well. And people talk about envy as a sin among equals. It's like you usually won't envy the person that's kind of outside of your realm. I don't envy astronauts. 
Um, space is kind of weird to me, and um, I'm not good at math. And so I'm not going to envy that person to, that achieved that wonderful thing. But if I'm here on Sunday and I'm hearing Tamara sing or Dana sing, at, like this morning, just that, what a wonderful new song. I love that, and I love the way she does it. And I'll watch Mike play guitar. That's in my realm. And so I have to watch out for, like, is she better than me? <laughs> Mike's better than me. I mean, that's not even a question. Um, but it's, it's a thing that happens. It's someone in my own realm, someone, uh, a friend of mine or a family member or someone doing something that's similar to me. That's when we have to watch out for envy in our life. Um, usually envy, if I, uh, in Greek, um, the word for envy is evil eye. It's, it's a literal translation. Um, I don't need to expound much on that. It's wishing harm to someone. That's what envy actually ends up being. And a lot of people, when I talk about envy, they um, say, what's the difference between jealousy and envy? Honestly, the way we use it, it's kind of interchangeable. But if you need to know the difference, um, envy is that I, you have something that I want, and I want to have that. Jealousy is the protection of something I already have. Jealousy looks like, you know, grabbing your significant other's phone five times a day and checking their text and making sure they're not, you know, that's, it's protecting something that we already have in a weird way. Um, and just as a disclaimer, when we're talking about that, what I'm not talking about is... Um, Wanting things that we actually should have, that we have a right to, uh, equal rights under the law, not to be discriminated against based on all these things, um, oppressive social structures and norms. We, there are certain things that we should want, and that's not what we're talking about today. What I want to talk about today is what happens in my heart when those around me succeed, okay? That's the envy that we're talking about. You guys want to learn a fun German word? All German words are fun, right? All right, I'm going to try it. Schadenfreude. That's my, that's my attempt. Um, this is the experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of another. Uh, anything you'll read about envy will have this in it. Just reading that definition brings conviction of my heart. I don't know if when you read that you're thinking, I've done that. It's that thing when someone falls and something we get something out of that. And it's just a gross thing. It does, definitely doesn't belong in the body of Christ, and that's why Paul and people talk about envy being a big deal. Envy is one of the seven deadly sins that the Catholic Church talks about based on Evagrius back from like around the fourth century, his uh, eight evil thoughts. And it's spoken of as the only one of the seven deadly sins that you don't get anything out of. There's not even any worldly pleasure in envy. It just keeps, there's always something else that you want from somebody. So it's not even, it doesn't even have that worldly element of fun in it. Um, So it's just kind of, let's just not do this one, right? Um, And there's a close cousin of envy. Um, if we redirect envy, it, ca- it can become a good thing called emulation. Like for me, I love reading the lives of the saints, and I love reading about the mystics, these people that have that intimate relationship with the Lord that I'm after. Um, and instead of saying, you know, I could say, oh, why, why don't you give me that? And I do do that a little bit. But if it leads me to, well, what, what did their lifestyle look like? They seem to be praying a lot, fasting a lot, and those kind of things. And if I, it causes me to emulate that, in a good way, then that's a good thing. We can redirect envy towards something like that. So that's, that's what I want to do with, uh, with envy, one of the things I want to do. I want to read a bunch of quotes to you because I want to come at this from so many different angles that everyone in the room is hit in some way by what envy is. So I'm going to, throughout history, there's been a lot of people that have talked about it. I'm going to start with Frederick, Frederick Beekner. Envy is the consuming desire to have everyone else as unsuccessful as you are. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But it's true. It's like it's not always something that we want. It's some, I just don't want you to have that stuff. I want you here or lower, um, everyone else around me. 
Uh, to the envious man grows lean on the success of his neighbor. It's just a sad statement. These are things that I don't want to be in my life. I want to rejoice in, the, in, in my neighbor's uh, success. But the envious man grows lean on the success of his neighbor. Frank Tiger said that the chief ban- barrier to happiness is envy. That's a strong statement. And if, in, in my research, he's not the only guy who says this. A lot of people, particularly in our culture of social media right now, you're always bombarded with how great everything is for everybody else. Um, and when we start comparing ourselves to that, we just put ourselves in this hole of envy, and it becomes our greatest barrier to happiness. This is a fun one. Our envy always lasts longer than the happiness of those we envy. And we're still thinking about that picture we saw on Facebook of that family that seems to go on vacation every three weeks. We're still thinking about it long after they've stopped enjoying that vacation. This is, a, this is a good one. It's a Spanish proverb. Envy is thin because it bites and never eats. Think about that. All it does is just nip and cause pain and cause oh, anguish, but it, there's never any satisfaction in it. It never swallows. Next one. Envy is a fury which cannot endure the happiness of others. Talk about a miserable life. I can't be happy if other people around me are happy. This is where envy leads us to. I love the next one. True friendship destroys envy. And I, I think we could substitute true love in there. If I truly love someone and they succeed, I'm happy for them. And it's not about me. Uh, so true love can actually love the person enough to be like, okay, this isn't about me. I'm so happy that you are receiving the success. So true love, true friendship, if it's real and it's not self-love, then it will it, it'll destroy envy in us. This next one just hit me so hard when I read it. Take heed, you harbor not that vice called envy, lest another's happiness becomes your torment and God's blessings become your curse. That one hit me so hard when I read it. I mean, I just read this and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that, but I feel that inside of me sometimes. I, I kind of see a picture of if I have five kids, let's say, and when I was growing up, I, I, there was, you remember that board game, Sorry? Is that still a thing? Or as Tim says, Sorry. Um, um, I really liked that growing up. And say, if I have five kids and I give my oldest son the game, Sorry. No, my point is, I want them all to play this game together. I'm giving a gift to all of them, but I'm, he, I think he'll steward it well. And so I'm giving it to him. So my, my intent is that all of my kids play this game and have years of enjoyment of each other out of it. But when the other kids say, why didn't you give that to me? I wanted that game. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My whole point is that you all have fun with this. But you should have given it to me. Why does he get it? And so they're accusing him, and they're envious of him. And then they look at me like, like I said before. It's like this father that's playing favorites. And that's not what it's about in the first place. I never want someone else's blessing, and possibly a blessing that's meant for me as well, indirectly through that person, to become a curse. And that's what envy does to us. This last one, it goes a little bit deeper, is to the roots of it. Envy is a symptom of a lack of appreciation of our own uniqueness and self-worth. We all have our own relationship with the Lord, and it's unique to us. And when he gives a gift to someone else or a blessing to someone else, and I say, I want that one, that's denying my own uniqueness and the gift that he wants to give me. It's saying, I'm saying that it's one size fits all, and you, you love us all the same way. It's denying the uniqueness of our own relationship. 
Now, many of us at first glance, we hear the word envy and say, yeah, it's, it's not that big a deal. This is one of the little sins. Uh, and we don't even try to hide it much. You know, how often do we say, people look through social media or hear about somebody, you know, on their next vacation, it's like, oh, it must be nice. I mean, that's the little start of it, you know. Wish I could go on vacation so often. I wish I had that car. I wish I, you know, I wish my life was so simple. Um, those kind of things. It starts just little things, and we don't even try to hide it. But if we want to, we can. You don't know I'm envious of you unless I tell you and start acting really, really weird. So it's easy to hide, and we don't think it's a big deal. But the problem is, it actually is very serious. And I'm going to start, I'm going to take us through the scriptures just to look, to see how envy usually ends up leading to death in our scriptures. So I'm going to start before uh, Genesis, actually, and I'm going to start in Isaiah 14. Uh, this has started out, Isaiah is giving a rebuke to the king of Babylon, but many people throughout church history see a, like a, a turn in this to where it might be talking about something else. And many people attribute it to the fall of who we call Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whoever. Um, uh, the story has it that he was a, a, um, an angel like Michael or Gabriel, and he fell. And we're going to see why here. In Isaiah 14, how you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you were cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. It's envy that caused the fall even that fall. He says, God has something that I want. I have a unique place in all of this, and I have a unique relationship, but that's not enough for me. I want what you have. I deserve what you have, and that caused the fall in the first place. Then fast forward to Genesis 3, when God creates the heavens and the earth. Adam and Eve are here. We're going to start just with verse 1 in chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And here Satan's going to sow envy. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Does that sound familiar from what we just read in Isaiah? Knowing good and evil. And so when we know the story, you ate the fruit. Satan introduced envy into the world. It's the first one. It's the gateway to everything else. He said, God has something that you want, this knowledge of good and evil. You don't have that. You deserve that. You should have that. And denying the uniqueness of what the Lord had for them and in his, his care over them, she said, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to go after that. Envy was introduced into the world. And what was the result? Verse 22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So death is introduced to the world, brought on by envy. And just as a side note, some people see this as death being a punishment from God for, for the sin. Actually, it was, um, he said, you know, now that sin has been introduced into your life, you don't want to live forever with sin in your life. I want to take care of that. And that's what he did with Jesus on the cross and then reintroduced eternal life to us, right? So that's a side, different thing. So envy leads to death. I'm going to just take us through different stories of the Bible, and we'll see where that happened. It starts with um, Adam and Eve have sons. One was named Cain. Another was named Abel. Cain became envious of his brother for the way the Lord received his sacrifice, and he killed him. Right? Envy leads to death. 
Joseph's brothers were envious of him because of their father's special love for him. Again, there was a special relationship between Joseph and his father. Jacob loved all of his sons. And instead of just being like okay with that relationship, they were like, no, I should have that relationship. Envy ended up, they went to kill him. Reuben said, hey, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in this pit. And, make some, and then they ended up making some money off of him, selling him into slavery. But again, it's the same, same, same principle. Saul, the first king of Israel before David, he was the most revered, respected, tallest, probably best looking, best warrior. He had everything going for him. And he used to like David when he would come and play his harp to calm him down when, he's, uh, when his demons were acting up. But once David became more of an equal and started being a warrior and people started talking about them in the same sentence as envy was introduced into the ra- that relationship, drove Saul insane. And he kept trying to kill David all the time and ended up dying in the process. Envy leads to death. Not too much further on, David's king and his son Absalom again starts thinking, well, people are coming to me for judgment. Maybe I should be king. Again, envy and that ambition came in. And so he tries to go to war with his dad. And, you know, the story has it he ends up hanging from a tree by his hair and ends up getting killed there. Envy leads to death. These are just a few. But again and again and again, envy is a serious thing that if not checked, leads to the death. And in, in, in our milieu, it's usually the death of our, our joy the death of community, because it puts us against everyone. All right, let's fast forward. Let's say we're all Pharisees here, okay? You want to say, I mean, we don't want to say that out loud, but let's pretend like we are. We've given our life. To, we, we, we have some heart for connection with the Lord. We want to be pure and holy so that we can commune with him, right? That's where it all starts. So we have all these rules, and we're really good about following them, and people are coming to us and asking us questions, and we kind of like that. Um, We've actually made rules so we don't even get close to the rule, so make sure we don't break it because we think that's how we connect with God. And now in comes this guy named Jesus, and people, he doesn't really follow the rules the same way we do. He thinks about them differently. And, on, and people are starting to leave us and to start at listening to what he's saying. That's a, that hits our ego a little bit. And not only that, when he speaks, there's some kind of authority that we don't have. And then he starts speaking to wind and waves, and they start obeying him. And then a couple weeks ago, he rose this guy who's been dead in the tomb for a while, um, and everyone's starting to go to him. And so our place is being taken. Envy comes in our hearts, right? It it makes sense why that would happen. Um, Pilate knew exactly what they were talking about. And when we read Matthew 27, that's when they decide, okay, we got to get rid of this guy. Envy leads to death, right? And so Pilate's the only guy who can kill him. So we bring him before Pilate, and Pilate actually, he tries to release Barabbas. Barabbas is this guy that he thinks that they'll want instead of Jesus because he's a bad dude. Um, or or they, they think they'll want Jesus instead of Barabbas, um, trying to get out of it. Uh, because, and he says in verse 18, for even Pilate knew, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Envy, this thing we don't think is a big deal, is actually what led to the death of Jesus on the cross in the first place. Okay. So we see that this is a big thing, and it's, it's to be avoided. And I want to find in Scripture, who's the guy who, or girl who best doesn't envy? And there's quite a few people who do, but I, I've chosen, I think, the best example is John the Baptist. Um, this is a man who has overcome envy, and we're going to look at why that might be. John 3.26, the disciples came to John, and at the time, remember, John was like a rock star. There had been a, a dearth of uh, the word of the Lord for 400 years. And then John comes on the scene. He's a different guy. He lives out in the wilderness. You know, he dresses differently. But he has the word of the Lord, and everyone sees it. He's very, very famous throughout Israel. 
So the disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, Jesus, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. It's the same situation the Pharisees are in, right? They're losing their market share. They're losing their, their popularity to another guy who's coming, new kid on the block. And listen to what John, how John reacts to this. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven, right? That's a unique thing. You can only receive what you get. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. It's a unique calling that I have. It's not the same as his. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he, appears, when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. That is a statement without envy. That's a statement that recognizes his own uniqueness. John knew who he was, that he had a unique relationship with the Lord and his value was in relation to who made him and for his purpose. And he knew his purpose wasn't to be the Messiah. It wasn't to fix every problem. It wasn't to be whatever we're jealous of for somebody else, we're envious of for somebody else. He knew who he was. He didn't need to be envious because his life was about pointing to another, not to himself. My problem, the reason I envy, is because I think everything points back to me. And so when I see someone else with a gift or a blessing or, or something going on in their life that I wish was happening to me, is what I always just immediately pointed back to me. That's my problem. That's why I envy. But if I realize that my life is not about me, it's about pointing at another, I can see someone else receive those kind of blessings and be like, okay, that's great. You're, you have your own unique relationship with the Lord, and that's the way it's working out. It doesn't have anything to do with me exactly. My question for us today is, who's my envy pointed towards? Who's your envy pointed towards? There's probably some of you in this room that know exactly, as soon as I say that, who that is. Um, if it's not popping up, just think of people in your milieu who you'd like to be or who have some gifts that you don't have. And if that doesn't work, get on Facebook or Instagram, and it should take about 30 seconds before you see someone where envy pops up in your, in your heart, right? Uh, I'm not sure if Satan invented that stuff, but I'm sure he loves watching it with you because <laughs> he just sits on our shoulder and be like wow it must be nice to be that person life is really easy for that person right and so an assignment to train our brain not to do that let's try something when we feel that envy start in our heart just because the, the it's going to start that's not the sin that that initial feeling that comes upon us yeah, that's not the sin it's what we do with it after that if we continue to revel in that and wish harm to that person in our heart that's where the sin happens that's what leads to the, the death of joy. But what if when we feel that, that initial thing come up that's envious, we say, we immediately pray for that person and say, Lord, I agree with you. I love the fact that you're blessing that person. And I, I'm struggling with it, but I just want to say, yes, bless them even more. And then think of five things in my own life that people would probably be envying about me. Gratitude is a wonderful antidote for envy. It's hard to be envious of someone else when we're thinking about the wonderful things in my own life that are happening. Right? So just try that. When we feel that come up, pray for that person. Say, I bless that person and what you're doing in their life. They're their own unique thing. And think of five things that I'm thankful for in my own life. Okay, just feeling the sin again. It isn't it. What we do with it. I'm going to give you five or six realizations that are helpful as we think through this. If we want to work on this problem, 
Um, and the first one is realize that the good of my brother and sister is my good as well. We live in the body of Christ, and this is particularly true of us. Uh, the story I told about giving the, the game to the oldest child, that's the way it works with us. If someone is gifted here, that's for the benefit of all of us. And so it's kind of like the liver saying, oh, I wish the heart wasn't so good at beating. I wish the heart wasn't so good at circulating that blood, right? Well, I'm benefiting, the liver's benefiting from that every single beat. And so when we do that, that's kind of what we're doing in the body of Christ when we were jealous of someone or we were envious or we're kind of wishing that someone didn't have something or that we had their gift. Two, on the other side of the same coin, realizing that another's blessing is not about me. When I see another succeed and my thought Im immediately goes to why not me, that's just a good check in my own spirit that I'm very self-centered. <laughs> I'm not thinking about that person and that person's relationship with the Lord. I immediately go to me. And that's when we ask the Lord, Lord, help me. I can't get over this on my own. Three, realizing that uh, I have uncountable reason for gratitude in my life. You know, just put yourself in the position of someone from Sierra Leone or, you know, someone in the bush somewhere looking at your life and thinking how many things that they couldn't even imagine why you would be envious of anyone else. Four, realizing that all of this is temporary. Um, this is a good exercise to do from time to time for lots of reasons in our life. Put yourself before the Lord after your death, looking back on your life and thinking, I was envious of these things. How trivial are these things to even be thinking about at this point? Uh, because that's a true reality that we'll have someday. Um, and that's not to make us feel bad, it's just it's, that's the reality that we will enter into. Five, and realizing that envy is an indication that what I thought was love for another can sometimes actually be self-love because I immediately go to myself. Uh, if I can't be happy for someone's blessings um, immediately, then that's telling me that I'm thinking about myself first. And that's when we just need to realize that I can't do this on my own. We can't change ourselves. We're changed as we gaze upon him and as he helps us do this thing. So I realized that I need God's help in overcoming envy, that I need to see myself as uniquely loved and understand that the blessings of others aren't necessarily the blessings of mine because we have our own relationship. Like John the Baptist knew, my life is about pointing to someone else. We need to know that as well. Um, and we have a unique relationship. And God has wonderful things for us that are not the same as other people. That's it. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I just admit that I am guilty of envy in my life. Lord, my first inclination when I see other people succeed is not always good for them or thank you, Lord, but sometimes it is, why not me? Why can't I have those things? Lord, I confess this and I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I ask that you would take this away from me and help me change into the type of person that lives in gratitude, that can love those around me and be thankful for what you're doing in other people's lives without looking at myself. Lord, I ask that you would turn my envy into holy emulation where it needs to be and that you would make other men's gifts mine by making me thankful to you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.